We get it. You're busy. You don't have time to waste on the mainstream media. That's why Salem News Channel is here. We have hosts worth watching, actually discussing the topics that matter. Andrew Wilkow, Dinesh D'Souza, Brandon Tatum, and more. Open debate and free speech you won't find anywhere else. We're not like the other guys. We're Salem News Channel. Watch anytime on any screen for free 24-7 at snc.tv. And on local now, channel 525. The following program is sponsored with the Truth Incorporated. Today on Know the Truth from Philip DeCourcy. You've heard it said, the Spirit of God is resident always, but He's not always president. And so we can have God with us, but through disobedience, laziness, a lack of spiritual discipline, we grieve the Spirit and we quench His work, 1 Thessalonians 5.19, in our life so that we don't enjoy the peace that could be ours. So it's so important we walk in the Spirit. Welcome to Know the Truth with Philip DeCourcy. I'm Wayne Shepherd. Today, Philip is concluding a message called, For Example, part of our Best of 2018 series. Well, who doesn't want peace, stability, and joy? But all around us are reasons to be anxious, worried, and stressed out. So Philip is encouraging us not to follow the crowd or the culture, but to learn from the example of the Apostle Paul. In Paul's concluding comments in Philippians 4, he's outlining for us the proven path to peace. Here's Philip DeCourcy. Well, let's take our Bibles and turn to Philippians chapter 4. We're in a series called Less Stress. And we're coming to our last sermon in the series. And so if you've missed it, we've been looking at verses 2 through 9 under the theme Less Stress. Because if you look at chapter 4, Paul talks about spiritual stability in verse 1. He talks about a life of endless joy in verse 4. He talks about a life that is absent of anxiety in verse 6, a life that's marked by the peace of God that guards the heart of the believer, and the God of peace, verse 9, that is with the believer. And so we believe here in these closing comments of Paul that he's addressing the issue of peace, stability, joy. He wants us to live lives of less stress. And we have made an argument throughout this series that as a nation— We're an anxious people. And no doubt, Christians are not immune to being worried and anxious about things in their own lives. But you and I can be still and know that He is God. You and I can enjoy the peace of God that passes human comparison and comprehension. And we're coming to take a look at Paul's last argument for peace. He's given us eight of them. I'm just going to read verse 9 with you because this is the eighth principle that we need to practice to enjoy God's peace. Listen to verse 9. The things which you learned and received and heard and saw in me, these do, and the God of peace will be with you. I'm going to explain this text in a moment. Paul is saying, you know what will help you lessen stress? Find some godly examples of people who trust God and follow their example. He's the example here. 
The things you have learned, received, seen, heard in me, do. And if you'll do that, follow my example, the peace of God will be with you and the God of peace will be your companion. So, for example, that's what our message is called, for example. So let's come and look at the text. Look at verse 9. The things which you learned and received and heard and saw in me, these do. That's an imperative. It's a present tense command. So keep on doing these things. Keep on practicing what I'm telling you to do. Be at peace with each other in your relationships. Find your joy in Christ. Develop a sweet reasonableness. Show patience and forbearance towards others. Expect Jesus to come back at any moment. Pray about your worries and give thanks for answers to prayer and think upon things which are lovely. This is what you ought to do. Practice these things. And as a result, the God of peace will be with you. Now, if you don't do those, you won't enjoy the peace of God. Now, you're still enjoying peace with God. You're still saved. You're still a child of God. You're standing before Jesus Christ and, and before God through Jesus Christ hasn't altered. But the fullness of the enjoyment of the union you now have with Jesus Christ will be determined by the quality of your prayer life, the quality of your mind and your thought life, and the quality of your obedience. These things do. Let's move on. The emulation. The emulation. Paul has taught them what to do, but the wonderful thing is Paul has shown them what to do. That's true leadership. Leadership is exemplary. Look what he says. These things which you learned and received and heard and saw in me, these things do. Practice, practice, practice what I have practiced before you. The word learned, as you can imagine, is what they learned from Paul directly. They heard and sat under the preaching of sound doctrine. Secondly, the things they received certainly may include the idea of Paul's preaching, but they've also heard from Timothy and Epaphroditus, and he says, I want you to think about those things and reflect upon those things, and I want you to do what you've heard from me, what you've seen in me. If I was kind of to put it in a little homiletical outline, if this would help some of you, he tells them, you know what? Follow my preaching, my pen, and my practice. What we're talking about, hearing, reading, observing. You've got to hear sound doctrine. You've got to observe a person's life. Stay close to them. But what about reading? Reading the Scriptures and reading books about the Scriptures. You say, Pastor, I don't like to read. Well, I'll get to you in a minute. Because <laughs> I was one of you. I'll explain. But just get the challenge. Your soul depends on it. You've got to read the book. You've got to read books on the book so that you can better understand the book. My father left school when he was 14. He can't understand why you can't read the King James Bible because he can, and he left school at 14. The top of his stairs is a set of shelves. Left school without any formal education, has worked in a blue-collar factory his whole life, but there are shelves and shelves of books which he reads and taught his sons to read. Books by Spurgeon and John Brown of Haddington and, and the Puritans and the Reformers and the great evangelists of church history. Even when I wasn't saved, I walked about a home where books were treasured. Books deepen your understanding. 
Books expand your horizons. Books slay your shibboleths. Books humanize your heroes. Books stir your passions. Books sharpen your wisdom. In his book, A Mind for God, James Emery White tells the story of a monk in Normandy back in 1170. That's quite a while ago. Here's what he says. A monastery without a library is like a castle without an armory. Our library is our armory. He's guarding his mind with truth and with thought. Get yourself a concordance. Get yourself a theology. Get yourself a church history book. Get yourself commentaries. Whatever you need to do, build up your library because your library is your armory. And I want to tell you some back to those I said I was going to come after who don't like to read. Neither did I. Any theology I learned early in my Christian life, I learned by, you know, my father and what he taught in the home, my own reading of Scripture. And I listened a lot to audio tapes back then, cassettes in those days. And and I gained a fair knowledge, but I struggled to read, just to discipline myself to sit and manually work through it. English was never my thing, and I just struggled with that. So much so when I actually enrolled into the Irish Baptist College, or sought to, they sat us down. We had to do a written exam, and they had some questions. And one of the questions would, you know, list books you have read, theological books or whatever. And my list was pretty short because, as I said, I actually did pretty well on the written test, but my book reading was very shallow. I forget. It was a very short list. There was a few books, and, you know, I think around about that time, the book I'd worked from beginning to end was a book on the history of Manchester United. It was kind of one of my passions. So it didn't come across too well when I didn't have a lot of theological books, but I said, well, I just read the history of Manchester United. Would that get me into Bible college? No, I don't think so. But the point was, hey, you know what, Philip? You know your Bible. We hear your heart. You come in the recommended by your church. We're going to take a flyer on you. You're going to come to this school, but you better start reading and reading a lot more than you're doing. And you know what? I had to. It would be 20 minutes one day and 30 minutes the next week and 45 minutes the next month. And by a year or so, you're sitting reading hour upon hour upon hour. It can be done. No excuses. It can be done. It's a discipline. It's a habit. And you can set your goal at doing it. You can do it. Anyway, that's the rabbit trail. We're back now. The expectation. The expectation. And the God of peace will be with you. Wow, that's great. So you've got the exhortation, these things do. The emulation, the things that you learned and received and heard and seen in me. And the expectation is, if you will do those things that you've seen in me, the God of peace will be with you. The conjunction and, as you would know, introduces a result that comes from that which proceeds. The phrase, the God of peace, I think is best taken as the God who is the source of your peace the God of peace, the God who is the source of your peace. He'll be with you, and He'll generate that peace within you. And no doubt that would have been good for the Philippians to have heard and learned, because Paul's just told them what? Do what you learn from me. Do what you receive from me. Do what you heard from me. Do what you've seen in me. And they go, well, you know where that leads you? That leads you to prison. If you do the things Paul does— you know, you get run out of town. You get let down the side of a wall in the middle of the night. You kind of run across the Roman Empire with bandits chasing you. And you end up in prison in Rome. And in all reality, when he tells them to do what 
he's doing, they're going, well, look what it results in, trouble. And Paul says, yes, but there's the peace of God for that trouble. And he's exemplified it, as we have noticed in this beautiful letter. I mean, he's in prison, and according to chapter 1, there are young bucks trying to cash in on his absence and make themselves bigger than the Apostle Paul. And Paul says, I rejoice that Christ is preached. That's magnanimous, isn't it? No bitterness there. Big heart. He writes about Timothy and Epaphroditus and thanks him for sending Epaphroditus and extols Epaphroditus. He says in chapter 1 that he prays for them with all joy all the time. He writes to thank them in chapter 4. He shows contentment in chapter 4. I mean, while he's confined circumstantially, he's in prison, man. He's pressing on to a greater knowledge of Christ. And he counts everything but loss just to know him more. And so he's saying, guys, I know that following me and being a true Christian can land you in trouble, but there's peace for that trouble. And here's what it is. The God of peace will be with you. Now, a couple of things about this idea of peace and we'll be wrapped up. It would be right to take from that peace as a kind of inner tranquility, a sense of inner calm. That would be certainly there. But the word peace biblically is much more robust than that. It actually is centered on the idea that Christ has made peace with God, that we can be right with God and God can be our Father. It certainly would propel us forward to a time when Jesus will come again and bring peace to a broken planet that it's war with itself and war with God as the Prince of Peace. And so you mustn't allow the idea of peace simply to go, well, I want that feeling of happiness and calm. There's an element of that. But really, it's not that kind of peace because it's a peace that guards the heart against threats and things that are outside and troubling. So peace, from a biblical point of view, isn't the removal of all things troubling. It's a sense that God's on his throne. It's a sense that the cross has done something dramatic on our behalf. It is a sense that I am right with God and it is well with my soul. It is a sense that, you know what? Though my suffering is not good at the moment compared to what's coming, it's a light affliction and you focus on heaven and the joy that awaits the child of God, which all brings this sense of stability and security. It's a peace that gladdens, it's a peace that guides, and it's a peace that guards 2 Corinthians 13, 11, it's like a benediction. The God of peace will be with you. In Colossians 3, 15, it's a peace that rules in our heart. It guides us. It umpires the decisions we make. And it guards us like a soldier, according to Philippians 4, verse 7. As I wrap up, what we're ultimately speaking about is the work of the Holy Spirit within the believer. The God of peace will be with you. How does God mediate his presence with us? Well, Jesus is no longer among us, physically speaking. But it was to our advantage that he left so that the Spirit could come. And the Spirit of God, who is God, indwelling us, now resides within us. And he will reside within us until Jesus comes back. He's the seal. We're purchased. We're God's. And God's going to finish his work that he began. Philippians 1, verse 6. So what we're talking about here is as you and I walk in the Spirit, and we don't fulfill the lusts of the flesh, the Spirit of God develops within us this fruit, which is peace, a sense of well-being, a sense that God is with us, working all things together for good. 
a sense that there's a greater peace and a glorious peace that lies beyond this troubled world as we indeed walk in the Spirit. See, we're back to the conditions. Peace with God, faith alone. The peace of God, faith and works. Prayer, thanksgiving, right thinking, obedience. You've heard it said, I hope you've heard it said, I like the statement, the Spirit of God is resident always, but He's not always president. He can be resident, but not president. And so we can have God with us, but through disobedience, laziness, a lack of spiritual discipline, we grieve the Spirit and we quench His work, 1 Thessalonians 5.19, in our life so that we don't enjoy the peace that could be ours. So it's so important we walk in the Spirit and not fulfill the lusts of the flesh. So important that the Spirit who is resident is present over our lives and our emotions and our actions as we obey His Word. I just finished a little book recently on some chapters in the book of Isaiah by Dale Ralph Davis, and then he tells the story that comes out of the War of the States in 1864. The federal troops are about 20 miles south of Winchester, Virginia, and they're entrenched, and they're opposed by the Confederate lines across from them, and they're under the leadership of Phil Sheridan, General Sheridan. He has to go back to Washington for a meeting, and while he's away, the Confederate leader, Jubal Earlies, he, he works his way and worms his way around to the left-hand flank of the Federal lines, and he approaches them in a direction they thought was unapproachable, and he gives them a surprise attack. And the federal lines are broken. 1,300 prisoners, 18 cannons are captured by the Confederates. The federal lines are retreating four miles back. Confusion. Troops running. You know, wagons all stacked up along the road. And into the middle of this confusion, Sheridan rides, having come back from Washington. And he rides among the soldiers going, turn back, turn back, turn back. And you know what? He had such a commanding presence that they began to do that. One writer says this, Everywhere men hitched up their pants, grabbed their muskets, cheered, and started back to the battlefield. And as he was riding through the troops, shouting, Turn back, turn back, they were beginning to shout, Sheridan, Sheridan, Sheridan. In fact, in one exchange between General Sheridan and a soldier, he asked this retreating soldier, How are things at the front? To which the soldier replies, Oh, everything is lost and gone, but it will be all right when you get there. And before long, the federal lines begin to reconstitute, and they push back the Confederacy. A Vermont Brigade historian says this of that scene, Such a scene as his presence produced. No more doubt or chance for doubt existed. We were safe perfectly and unconditionally safe, and every man knew it. Then that's a faint analogy. Here's the presence of a man, General Sheridan, who turned the hearts of his soldiers from faith to fear. Sheridan's here. Everything's going to be all right. And Paul says, from his prison cell to the Philippines, several hundred miles away under fire from the enemy. Everything's going to be all right. For as you pray and give thanks and think theologically and live obediently, the God of peace 
will be with you and everything will be all right. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for our study in Philippians 4. It's been challenging. It's been comforting. It has exposed some sore spots of broken relationships that continue to rob us of a sense of peace. It has exposed our joyless lives when we could be rejoicing the Lord always. It has exposed how quickly we become upset when we should be showing sweet reasonableness. How quick we lose our temper and our peace and our joy. Lord, oh, what peace we often forfeit. Oh, what needless pain we bear, all because we do not carry everything to God in prayer. We rush on to the next thing. We never stop to give you thanks and fortify our faith by the past provisions of God. And our stinking thinking, our thinking apart from your word, robs us of a peace. Lord, help us to help each other. Help us all to be examples to each other. And help those who are young in the faith, help those who are struggling with anxiety and fear to find a mentor, living or dead, among us or in books, where they can look at their lives and see a life that trusted God and enjoyed the peace of God, which passes all understanding. For we ask and we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. That's Philip DeCourcy with a powerful conclusion to his message titled, For Example. We've included it here as part of our Best of 2018 series. You're listening to Know the Truth, and you can find us online at ktt.org. Now, Philip is with us in the studio today, and we're pretty excited about a letter we received from a listener. She's asked us not to use her name, but here's what she said. I received Christ five months ago after listening to Know the Truth in secret. My husband and I are Jehovah Witness, but have heard the gospel through Know the Truth, and I am now a Christian. I listen every day in secret because my husband does not know I am a Christian. Please pray for me not to be afraid to tell my husband. Philip, this is quite a letter. Wayne, I thrilled to the news of this woman's conversion. I mean, to hear the story of this Jehovah Witness coming to faith alone in Christ alone is something that thrills me. And may God bless her and and may she grow in her knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ and the wonder of His grace. I think, Wayne, this story kind of reminds us of just why KTT exists. We are unapologetic. We don't water the Word of God down. We we don't tiptoe through the tulips, you know, theologically speaking. We preach the gospel in all its fullness. And I think this woman's conversion shows that. She saw the stark difference between the gospel we preach and the false gospel she'd been brought up on. She came to see that Jesus was fully God. She came to see that it's faith alone in Christ without works that saved. She came to see that Jesus did enough on the cross. We don't have to, you know, work our way into heaven. We work out of love for Jesus Christ. And so this story just to me reiterates both the reason our ministry exists and to some degree something of its uniqueness. We called this ministry Know the Truth because the truth will set people free. And this woman has been set free from error and falsehood and to know can she be right with God? She is through faith in Christ. And and Wayne, here's a footnote to that. While the truth is free, (laughs) the broadcasting of the truth isn't free. And I just want to make an appeal to our listeners. As you've heard the story, a wonderful story of transformation of a woman coming out of the cults 
to Christ. Would you invest in our ministry? Support us to stay on the air in cities all across the country because we want to continue to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ so that more lives can be transformed. Yes, thanks, Philip. I know how much these letters mean to you on a personal level. And I hope our listeners are encouraged by this too, particularly those who have given to this ministry. In just a moment, I'll give you the contact info for writing your own letter to Philip. But first, if you believe in the ministry of Know the Truth and would like to stand arm in arm with us, give a one-time donation today or become a monthly Truth Ambassador. You can give online at ktt.org or call 888-644-8811. Once again, that's 888-644-8811. And write to Philip at talk at ktt.org. I'm Wayne Shepherd, inviting you to join us next time when Philip launches into an encore presentation of the popular Maximum Security series. It all begins with a special interview Tuesday on Know the Truth. Today's program was produced and sponsored by Know the Truth Incorporated. Jesus said, you shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. This is a special notice to all U.S. taxpayers. If you owe the IRS or state back taxes and cannot afford to pay them back, there's good news. Due to the financial hardship many are facing in today's economy, the IRS has made it easier to settle delinquent tax problems through a federal program called the Fresh Start Initiative. Qualifying for this program will resolve your tax problem, end all collections, and possibly reduce your back taxes by up to 90%. If you are facing wage garnishments, liens, bank levies, audits, or payroll taxes, it's not too late. Your circumstances may qualify you for this special program, protecting your savings and your assets. If you owe the IRS or state back taxes and cannot afford to pay them back, there's no need to worry anymore. Call the hotline at Victory Tax Solutions to see if you qualify and potentially save thousands. For this free information, call 800-813-1105. 800-813-1105. That's 800-813-1105. Hello, I'm Mike Lind-